Ciao, ciao, everybody. How is everybody doing? This is Jalo Chow Chow, episode number... Eight. Eight. Seven? Oh, Siete. fuck. Is it seven? Yeah. It is. Why'd you just, do that again? <laughs> so I just... I want to speed things along here. Okay, so you're just going to start making up episodes that we haven't done yet? Fifteen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is the time Nazi in the group, so um, uh, I am Creep Creeperson, and this is your black glove assailant, Eric. Hello. And Chow-chow. our um, beautiful guest, Edwidge <laughs> Fennec Chris. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I should have planned Chow-chow. that a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Should have asked him to cross-dress at least. Oh, right? Oh, good lord. Thank God this is just an audio podcast. <laughs> I know, I'm wearing something a little um, different than the usual fare. 
so um, we'll, we'll keep this down to a minimal over here and um, tonight we're going to be doing the Argento classic four flies on gray velvet so that will be in just a wee bit time here um, but first how, how was your week sir Eric my week's been good uh, or you some... know what? not even week like since the last time we did this two weeks man yeah how's your two weeks going pretty good um keeping myself busy doing some writing actually for the first time in a long time Ooh, what are you writing some creative writing well i just bore everyone with the details but did you guys ever the, play were... <laughs> did you guys ever play techno super bowl yes back in the day for nintendo yes well, there's absolutely. there's this uh, small faction of people who really get into it around this time of year because there's like a world championship going up in uh, madison wisconsin Gotta and be uh you know, and uh, I was sort of joking around at last year's championship tournament that I was gonna, I wanted to write a novel featuring old football players from the past, like Bernie Kosar and Jim Kelly, the Thurman Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> and now here I am, actually doing it. Rad. Um, wow. Sending these guys back in time to uh, fight over the control of their uh, own lives and glory and all that fun stuff. So. Well, please tell me that you have the Nigerian nightmare Christian Okoye in that book. Oh, he's a pivotal plot point in that book. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But yeah, outside of that, just keeping busy with my my show, uh, 100 Years of Horror. Right? We're in the 80s now, so I think people are actually starting to listen to it. Oh, wow. That must be different. I would yeah. love it if people listen to my shows. <laughs> so I should just do 80s stuff, huh? Just do 80s slashers. That'll get the girls coming. So Charles in Charge and Alf. Got yes. it. Do that too. All right. Chris, how's your uh, two weeks been? Not as productive as Eric's, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> we are dealing with terrible weather on the East Coast. I had a four-day power outage. Uh, so I've been dealing with... Um, my family being kind of uprooted and brought to uh, areas where there is power. <laughs> um, so it, it hasn't been fun, but, uh, and we're getting another supposedly blizzard in like two days. So oh, no way. Like a nor'easter of some sort. So I'm just uh, keeping my fingers crossed that it goes kind of to the east and south of us. So let's, hopefully that's going to be the case. Yeah. So, let's hope other people have a fucking shitty couple weeks. Yeah, well, the ocean, you know, that would be funny. Just fucking with me, too. <laughs> you, you know uh, what? I didn't actually have to snowblow today, so I'm pretty happy about that. It's fantastic. Oh, good for you. First time in weeks since we've done the show. Yeah, and uh, otherwise, you know, I just got through, uh, let's see, I posted a score for um, Umberto Lenzi's, um, what the heck was it called? <laughs> Seven Bloodstained Blood Orchids? Yeah. Okay, and I uh, just finished a write-up for Perversion Story, which is Fulci's uh, first giallo, I think. And um, I just finished um, the 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 one of the three um, Ercole giallos called Death Walks on High Heels. Nice, um, which has Susan Scott, which uh, she has a, a actual Italian Spanish name that I forget, but. Um, 
So I went through those three and uh, pretty pretty quickly. I guess when I get on a roll with these films, it's um, it's hard to yeah hard to stop. Yeah, and I'm getting to the point now where I'm actually going to start scoring Jolly that I've never seen before. So <gasps> that should be fun because I got about I think I've got about forty or so that are going to go onto the site, and then by by the time we get past those forty, then I'll be delving into some of the more obscure ones. Right. So, uh, should be interesting and, and uh, i think that i'm going to be um unpleasantly surprised with the quality of these movies as i keep going because <laughs> the ones that have enough notoriety you know to be considered at least somewhat mainstream as, as far as horror aficionados go mm-hmm. um once you get past those um i'm thinking of um some films like uh, a dragonfly for each corpse which doesn't look very good um just from the from the little preview i did of it um uh what else do i have that i'm gonna look at um on my list here what was the other oh um the iguana with the tongue of fire yeah i haven't watched that one i almost watched that yesterday yeah i have a really i have a real crappy version of it so a lot of times I, i put off the ones that i have bad copies of just because i don't feel like putting up with it so yeah um, I was watching um, some stuff, and I've been I've been getting pleasantly surprised finding more obscure ones that I haven't seen. And I think because I go into it expecting that it's probably going to be a piece of shit, <laughs> that I end up rather enjoying it. So um, keep keep thinking that they're going to suck because they'll probably be pretty fun. Yeah, and, and you know there was. There was this one film, I don't know if you guys have seen it, called Death Laid an Egg. And no, I uh, it is really odd. It's it's I I basically consider it to be a Godard Giallo. It's kind <laughs> of like if you cross Giallo and French New Wave, this is what you would get. Um it's really out there. It's it it got a, it's got the lowest possible score on the website, and it doesn't matter because it just doesn't follow any sort of logic at all. And and it wouldn't really be considered a Giallo and it's uh, on top of everything else, it's um, it's from 1968, so it really didn't have kind of a a, a trend yet. Um, it scored a 40 on the Jalo score, so um, but I definitely put it up there as as worth watching because I mean you'll just you'll just be scratching your head through the whole thing, going, did that just happen? I mean, what what am I looking at? What's going on here? It's a combination of atonal acoustic guitar soundtrack with chickens and it's it's just really odd i love it already (laughs) i think i've only heard of it because i wanted to see what was the lowest score on your website um and because i like looking up things that have low scores and (laughs) yeah i I definitely recommend it especially how eric found me actually Worst rating on IMDb. Oh, that's not true. But anyway, no. um, I I was actually um, I was talking to Eric about this. Uh, YouTube has been like my best friend in finding awesome random movies to watch, and I had never seen The Fifth Chord. And I'm like, oh, I'll watch The Fifth Chord on YouTube. This is great. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> so I'm watching it totally getting into it i'm like yeah okay this is i'm i'm digging this i'm uh, totally into it totally into it totally into it and then uh, with there's probably about 20 minutes left to the movie it just stops 
and I freaking lost it. And I was like going on trying to find every freaking clip. Um, so I kind of modge podge the ending together with a bunch <laughs> of different clips, but it's not the same. So I'm just going to have to pony up and go get that bad boy to finish it. But that is one of the uh, downfalls of YouTube. There is no yeah. quality control. Did you try looking it up by its Italian name? I'm sure you did. Uh, of course I didn't. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would I do anything that I might you, you might get it, you know, in Italian instead of English, but you never know. Yeah, and we could talk a little bit about that later today too. Cuz I'm going to have a, a uh. moment that uh yeah. Okay. See, I planned this whole thing that I was going to not be such a psychopath on this episode and things are not looking well. Um <laughs> So, real quick, with my last couple weeks, um, Shallow Jallow, the girl with the crystal pubis, that's actually doing relatively well. So, um, if anyone got that who listens to this, thank you, and I hope you're enjoying it. Um, but yeah, uh, I finished Zombie Alpha today, my first zombie book, and I'm excited about that. Uh, the Bloodlust Romance books are being edited, and I'll be putting those out soon. Some of my movies are getting edited. It's been a really productive couple weeks. I was working on the next Slasherton book right before we started the show, uh, right before I went to the bathroom, and um, While things. You were in the bathroom. No, I was actually listening to you oh my gosh, and uh, your friends talk about Mr. Del Rio when I was in when I was on the potty. Um, but yeah, so, uh, things have been rather tits over here lately. <laughs> but not um, tits up. Yeah. And we're about to experience a mild heat wave in the 80s over here. I'm not looking forward to, but oh, it's gotta suck. yeah, I'm a total dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> so moving right along. <laughs> Well, I have an update for the book for you. Yeah, let's get some news out here for these people. <clears throat> here is, here's the news that they came for, right? right. There it is. <laughs> um, there is no new news this week. <laughs> so, no, news the... no news on the book. <laughs> <laughs> you tease. That's my big scoop. So, um, yeah. That can be good news sometimes. Yeah, no news is good news, so they say. <clears throat> Although that's not the case, if you feel like you might be getting evicted, um, because that's when the cops show up and say, "No, you were supposed to get out 90 days ago. You have four days to vacate now, or something like that." So, uh, yeah, not that that's ever happened to me, right? Or that it happened twice in a row during the same <laughs> year, but um, yes. So, we're doing a show tonight. So, um, Chris, you were saying that you had some information for us. Sure. Um, so, we were talking last time about um, what, you know, one of, the, one of the issues with regard to watching Jolly uh, in 2014 at home on DVD or on YouTube um, is that we're kind of removed from the context uh, which was originally intended. So I've been doing a little bit of reading in uh, Mikhail Coven's La Dolce Morte, and it's a very academic study of the giallo, and I'm, I'm going to try to paraphrase because um, he's got a couple of chapters that really 
uh, in the beginning of the book that talk about you know how to define giallo and how to define uh, the context and the audience. Um, and they bring up a word called felone, and um, it's uh, <laughs> it's um, wow. basically the idea that uh, you're looking at the the, the term felone as um, the vein. Um, so in other words, um, if 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 you want to call the ja- uh, the genre a uh, a thriller, then um, a, gi- a giallo would be kind of in the vein of a thriller. So the felone is what they consider to be a more uh, precise word for describing this group of films instead of genre. Um, and the, they use the term um, in the tradition of or in the vein of. And in Italian, it's uh, sullo stesso felone. Um, and how that comes into play is, um, at least as far as the author is concerned, um, I'll, I'll give you a quick quote here. Mario, Mario Bava introduced the theme of the unlikely witness becomes an amateur detective in The Girl Who Knew Too Much and then introduced what, would to, what was to become uh, the disguise of the giallo killer, which is the black hat, black overcoat, and black gloves in Blood and Black Lace. But it was Dario Argento who first put those two together in Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, so basically you could say that um, Argento was doing something in the felone of or in the vein of uh, Bava, and then all of the classic giallos that were coming after that would be in the vein of uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, so that's, and the chapter goes on to talk about the kind of, you know, the classic giallo, which is, you know, the black glove killer running around uh, killing people. But there's also kind of lesser specific giallos that fall into the category like the kind of like the thriller um more more emotional um i'm trying to think of a good example of a film where it's it's not necessarily uh, a black glove killer but it's more along the lines of there's a there's a mystery that needs to be solved um fulci's perversion story is a good example of that um although that hasn't been covered on this show so it would be a bad reference um but at any rate he goes on to kind of talk about the giallo uh, fantastique which is kind of giallos that have a little bit of a supernatural tone to them um and then the next chapter in the book he talks about the context of italian movie going in that particular time period and they talk about the second run and third run movie houses uh in italy so basically you had um you know first run movies would come and go uh, but the third run movie theaters um there was a demand um, in these movie theaters to change what they were showing on a daily basis. And so a lot of the exploitation films would go straight to the third run movie houses. And so the people that were making these films, they knew they didn't have a big budget. They knew precisely, you know, what kind of audience they were making, uh, these films for. Um, and there's a pretty cool passage in the book, um, that I'll quote you here. Consider for example, uh, Mario Bava's Bay of Blood. I know you guys love that one. Um, the film whose running time is nearly 80 minutes, but it's neatly broken up into three segments with the opening of about 20 minutes of people being killed one by one by an unseen killer. Following this is about 40 minutes of contextual narrative, uh, wherein we are introduced to all the major characters. And then the film concludes with another 20 minutes of slaughter, uh, where all those who are still living are killed off. Uh, it's an easy way to, to project. It's easy to project onto Bay of Blood, the model of the third uh, run movie house 
um, where basically after 20 minutes, Baba seems to expect the audience's attention will wane. So he clustered all the exposition into what's supposedly going on in the film into its central 40 minutes. Uh, if anyone in the audience actually cares what the logic is, um, this is where it comes in. But Baba appears to be anticipating that the audience reaction is um, to the initial and the and then the third uh, part of the film um, to basically give them space to move around and socialize within the cinema space um, and then bring everything to an end in the last 20 minutes. So um, there's a lot in here about um, the context and about how um, when these films were being made, you know, the producers would ask, well, what is your film like? Give me another film that your film is like so that I know how to how to market it. And the idea that, you know, some of these third run movie houses were in the middle of these rural areas. It was probably the only movie movie house uh, for many miles for some of these people. And they would come home from work and they would after dinner, they'd go right out to the movie theater every single night. And there would be a different um, there'd be a different feature. And maybe it would be a spaghetti Western or maybe it would be a Jallo. And they would go and they'd hang out with their friends and they would drink and smoke and Every time something interesting happened, they would stop for a second and point at the screen, and then they'd go back to um, conversing or not paying attention. So um, I think the the whole point of it and um, what uh, Coven calls it vernacular cinema, which basically is you know cinema for the people, cinema for the working class, um, and not to really dumb it down, um, you know, to say that you know these films were made for for people that you know, are a lower intelligence level, but I think we get caught up in, um, you know, there's continuity problems here and, um, you know, this particular plot line doesn't work and, you know, going off in this direction, how, how is it that this happened this way is where things that the film producers knew were never going to get scrutinized when they were put out. So, um, at any rate, that was a long, uh, dissertation, <laughs> um, uh, but to, just to give you some context on when you're watching these kind of, you know, when you need to stop scrutinizing them to a certain point and just say, you know, this is really kind of thrown in there to either fill up time or, um, you know, it really wasn't meant to be looked at that closely in the first place, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I honestly think that that's amazing that there was something like that. <clears throat> to where you could go every night and hang out with your friends and just party and the movies kind of like background noise. But when something cool happens, you could check it out. That sounds like so much fucking fun. Yeah, it definitely does. But I, I like find what, it... what happens now with, with people sitting around with their friends, you know, the, they always talk about those movies you can put on with your friends and just let play in the black in the background. Um, Deep through and have a good time to have a romp and just have a nice romp. <laughs> Yeah, you know, in, in Creeps House, you get some other things. <laughs> but it, I just find it ironic because, you know, there's been a lot of time and, and energy dedicated to, you know, looking at these films from a little bit more of an academic and critical eye, and they were never intended for that. I think the reason why, though, is because people like Bava and Argento and Fulci came out of this, and people, like, look at them as masters of art. Right. So, of course, you're going to look at the stuff they do and kind of critique it. Exactly. And all of the kind of byproduct of their, you know, original pieces of, of work and, all you know, all of the all of the, the, the jolly that came after them or came in the vein of 
in the felone of so or, or you could do what we do here come in the felone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure where where we are in all that but <sighs> yeah and then we just sit here and talk about it right no that's cool man I cannot wait to get that book I put that on my wish list as soon as we were doing the show last time so I'm gonna <clears throat> get that and nerd out a bit yeah I hope to to find some more insightful things. I mean, the first couple of chapters were really cool because, you know, I've been, I've been watching these uh, movies for quite a while and with a lot of intent uh, or, or intense, you know, um, uh, observation within the last few years. And it's, it's interesting to see, to see it discussed in such an, it's such kind of a geeky academic way. So make a Kindle version, dude. Uh, if you're listening, who wrote the book? I'm, you get cool yeah, pictures the, on the Kindle, dude. On the on the Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Crystal Lake Memories book, the ebook version of it has it's extended. It has more pictures in it, and it also has video in it, like behind the scenes video from the movies and stuff. What if you're like me and you have the very first Kindle? Do you have a cell phone or a computer? Because it also works there. Oh, cell phones are too small, man. Oh. Dude, I cannot believe how many books I read on my phone. It, it's really weird. I never thought I would do it. I do it all <laughs> the time. But whatever. Enough about reading. We're here to talk about <laughs> boobs and cars and fashion models or something. Right? I think so. Is that this show? I think so. Isn't that what it's called? Fashion Police? Yeah. Fashion police and time Nazis. <clears throat> okay. So, without any further ado, we will play the trailer right now for Dario Argento's... Uh, was it released in 1972? Or was I've got it a 71 on it. I have 71 on it from IMDb, but then when you click on the page, it says it was released in 72. Maybe in America. Guam. Maybe in Guam. Well, in the here, here's Guam's 1972 classic, <laughs> Four Flies on Gray Velvet.
And we're back. That was a super horrific trailer. I've got chills. Riveting. And they're multiplying. And I'm losing control. But the no, they're not doing that. You're supplying. No, it's electrifying. Nope. <laughs> I didn't even get a dupe, a dupe, a dupe, a dupe, a dupe. <laughs> I thought for sure someone would chime in on that. Damn it, I need to plan this stuff. Things are not like a dance Maybe. movie. Maybe you could play some acid rock instead. Dude. Oh my gosh. We should just jump right into this. Should we? <laughs> yeah, I, I really think we should. I've been, okay. like, the last two days, I've been wanting to rip my teeth out. So what the masses are waiting for. Okay, Not masses. To rip teeth out. Here you go. <laughs> so this was Eric's pick. So, Eric, take it. All right. To the Thanks. limit. One more time. Oh, I know you're going to do that. <laughs> All right. Yes. As mentioned before, this was a, a pick that I chose, even though we, we've already done an Argento film on the show. Um, I wanted to do this one mainly because uh, we were talking about Giallo score, and this was, at the time, the number one score. Uh, I suppose I could just mention right now, it's got a 93 on the website. But uh, if you want to know the breakdown and why it got a 93, then you'll just have to go look at GialloScore.com, right? That's correct. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't want to take away traffic from yourself, Chris. <laughs> you won't. You won't be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as we mentioned, this is 71, 72 in that era, in that vein, as uh, to carry on that theme. Uh, it's about what you guys got, like 104 minutes or so, um, depending on where you get your source. Um, it could be close to 1,015. But That's true. Maybe it was 104. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, as mentioned, Argento is the director and writer, though he did collaborate on the story with a young Luigi Cosi, or Cosi. I don't know how he's really say that name, but um, we've also got Ennio Morricone doing the music on this one. So I guess kinda. that kind of gives away part of the score. <laughs> uh, but. Did you have any? You guys have any details behind this film at all? Um, the only thing I got, I got off of IMDb, but um, it said that uh, uh, Maricone and Mr. Argento did not see eye to eye, and uh, Maricone, I guess, walked and didn't come back to work with him again until the mid '90s. Yeah, that's pretty much the prevalent rumor around this film. Uh, there was some disagreements around the score, so Morricone left, and that's what led to <clears> Argento's <throat> uh, collaboration with Goblin and his uh, next Giallo film, Deep Red. But uh, I, I actually have the uh, Shameless Blu-ray. That's the name of the company. It's not just the, the quality of the Blu-ray or anything. Uh, but they're out of the UK. Um, so uh, the reason I mention that is because they... Get have it? a oh, okay. What's the? I'm just being a fucking peanut gallery douchebag over here. Keep it going. You're rocking it. <laughs> I'm gonna get my guards to pull you out of, out of my orchestra hall here. Get freaking Christian Okoye to do it. <laughs> They'll popcorn okay. you out of here. Um, but yeah, I guess the reason I bring that up <clears> is because there was a pretty interesting interview with with uh, Luigi Cozy on here. Uh, he talks about kind of his background with Argento, how they got together. This is their he was sort of a journalist in the area in Rome, and uh, Argento was doing Bird with Crystal Plumage, 
Cozy fell in love with it, and they uh, began collaborating after that. Um, in tr strip clubs for men. I think so. Yeah. That's where they got a lot of the actors in the film. Yeah. Um, but apparently what they what they did was they started out with a title, and I think this is kind of a calling card of Argento. Let's just start out with the title. That's all you've got. And then uh, they moved into just writing the death scenes, and then eventually they uh, closed closed it off with the with the actual story. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, I guess after watching the film, a lot of people can probably see that is really how it was put together. But uh, I guess we can get into that later. Do we want to do a rundown through the plot? Is that my job now? Um, you could do a, a quick little rundown. It doesn't have to be as um, like hyperactive and crazy <laughs> as ones we've done in the past. But yes. Right frame by frame <clears throat> oh my god i love frame by frame well just off the bat i didn't really pay attention to a lot of the fashion even though i promised i would i had about an hour in and it's I, okay the oh, fashion shit. in this movie was very poor i will say <laughs> it left you wanting more oh my gosh we will we'll get into that go ahead okay well um i suppose i should just mention real quick the who's in this film michael brandon plays Roberto. Nimsy <laughs> Farmer plays his wife, Nina. And then we've got a, a French actor, Jean-Pierre Mariel, who plays the uh, gay inspector, Gianni. Uh, and then a couple character actors, Bud Spencer, Francine Reset, both Italian. I'm sorry, Francine's French-Canadian. She plays Dahlia. And then uh, Oreste Leonello, who plays the professor, and we actually just saw him last in Case of the Bloody Iris, apparently, is what I'm told. I think he played like the photographer in that one. <gasps> Fucking a, he did. Yeah. Now was so if you've seen his face before. Was the mailman the same guy who was um, the stuttering guy in jail and bird with the crystal plumage? You know, I uh, wouldn't be surprised. No, it's that's not. Really, that's no, no. I was gonna say that that sounds right. I'm I'm thinking of both of those images in my head right now, and I think they're about the same person. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't believe that the fucking professor is the photographer. How did yeah. I fucking miss that? The guy looked familiar. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. You better just hand over your giallo card oh, right now. I'm going to hand over <laughs> my freaking card. Okay, yeah, I'm All done. Right. All right, then to, to start off this plot, we've got a, a nice montage here, of course. And uh, the music's a little bit different than what we're used to. It's some sort of psychedelic acid rock, as we mentioned before. And then it just uh, all of a sudden stops every once in a while, and all we've got is a heartbeat. And this sort of interplays with the beating of the drums from Roberto, our main character. And I can tell Creep sort of liked, liked this. No, I didn't actually, but I liked oh. when it's paused and showed the heart. Oh, I thought that cool. was fucking really cool. Yeah. And... So they're yeah they're playing off this these two different beats basically, um, and then they're also there's also this uh, well, I don't know some sort of symbology here as this mosquito is buzzing around his head and bothering him as he's playing these drums here and then he uh, it finally lands in one of his symbols in his crash symbols and he smooshes it in his high hat in his high hat that's right yeah and uh, sort of foreshadowing his uh, behavior. Uh, coming up in the uh, next scene foreshadowing his bug smushing yep he's very good at bug smushing as we'll get to see 
But uh, one of the things that we're also seeing along with this is that he's being followed or tracked by a man in sunglasses and uh, with a mustache. So very stereotypical Italian guy right here. Scary. <laughs> it is. It is actually very, uh, very good framing here. How how terrifying uh, this guy is showing up in his rearview mirror or outside of that was a cool shot through the rearview smoggy mirror. window. Yeah, 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 that was cool. Uh, he decides he's had enough. He sees this man in the down in the the city streets, so he decides to go. Hold on, I've got like three fucking dogs upstairs right now, going crazy. I think you're actually pouring a bowl of pretzels. <laughs> they're supposed to be getting the hell out of here, but I don't know when their parents are coming again. So sorry about this. But um, you're gonna have to edit around me, creep. Sorry. I will do no such thing. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it as difficult for you as possible. Yeah, it's okay. I just don't uh, try, so it's fine. Okay. Well, he uh, he goes and confronts this man, follows him down these empty city streets to an orchestra hall, uh, passes through these curtains and another nice uh, Im- some other nice imagery here, and then comes upon this uh, stalker. The follower plays dumb, saying he hasn't been following anyone, but apparently he's still got a switchblade on him, just in case. And, uh, however, uh, as they're they're having this very... um, Weak-ass struggle. Weak, inaggressive struggle. (laughs) There's someone up in the balcony in a doll's mask watching them, taking pictures as Roberto uh, is able to turn the man's knife on him and stab him and then dump him into the orchestra pit. Done. Didn't, it, didn't the mask look like Jim Halpert on The Office when he looks at the camera and goes, eh. The blank puppy dog stare. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. The mask scares me. That, that was horrifying. You don't like this mask? It was scary, dude. I would fucking shit myself if I saw that person behind me, dude. <laughs> that would be fucking nuts. I question his ability to take pictures in that mask, but, right. you know, there's, there's, there's a lot there. I'd say there's a lot of um, disbelief that needs to be suspended in for this particular scene because it's kind of like, you know, um, how was all of this set up to, to happen exactly the way it happened? That is an Argento freaking trope that I will yeah. fucking scream from the rooftops and it makes me not happy. But we can talk about that later. I'm sorry, Eric. That's okay. No, you know what? We're here to, to not talk critically about these films and just to talk about not having a good no, time. No, I'm right? going to talk critically, damn it. And I'm going to no. do it right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Spoiling everything. Okay, continue. All right, well, uh, in a, I thought it was a... Yeah, you have to do. You do have to suspend disbelief, but it's all. this is all done in the name of you know Argento's techniques and the, and the things that he does. this was one of the best-looking scenes in the movie. It was, and the, especially when the spotlight comes down on him, he notices the person up in the balcony snapping pictures at this time, and uh, he knows from this point on he's going to be a paranoid son of a bitch as uh, this uh, person knows what he's done, but are they going to tell the police? Well, he uh, finds out when a call comes in the middle of the night, and his wife Nina answers, uh, there's nobody on the other side of the line, so uh, Roberto at this point begins to have a little bit of trouble sleeping the paranoia is setting in he's thinking about the murder and knowing that someone had seen him so he uh 
was it that? Oh yeah, it's at this point that the uh, our favorite mailman comes by after delivering some Swedish porn to the neighbor's house uh, and uh, drops off a note for Roberto. And uh, this appears to have his victim's ID within it. So, are you guys possibly figuring out who... Are you guys coming up with any suspects yet at this point? Is it too early? Well, they did in this movie what they did in a movie that irritates the shit out of me called High Tension, if you remember that movie, where they do something... Yeah. um, Yeah, yep. uh, Where they do something in the beginning of the movie to make it virtually impossible for the person who did do it to be someone to look at. So, like, once the movie's done, you sit there and ask yourself, who made that phone call in the middle of the night? Who, Who did that? Like, there's so many little things that don't make any fucking sense at all. But it's just like, <clears throat> to me, that's like the filmmaker saying, fuck you. Like, I don't give a shit if you are trying to figure this out or not. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want and just show it to you and you're going to accept it. Well, it's like Scream, you know. We have to accept that maybe there's two accomplices out there, right? Well, you could kind of guess that, I guess. But if that's well, not what ends up happening, then what the fuck's that about? I mean, there is a scene in it where we find out that maybe there are more than one person in on it, especially early on here at the, in the first half of the film. So I guess that's where I was going with it in my head. Well, I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to pick a fight here, but... I am. I think I think that was uh, <laughs> I think that was pretty much confirmed in you know halfway through that you know the killer had some help because you know there was no way that the killer could be in, in doing being in two places at, at the same time. You know, totally. And with that said, let me ask another question. Oh well, I I, I don't want to jump ahead, but like, so when he picks up the newspaper the next day. And it says that there's been a body found. Blah, 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 blah. Whose body was that? Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's coming up here actually pretty quickly. But I, I believe it was the the maid. Are you talking about? No, 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 no. no. It was before the maid died. It, no, was, yeah, it right. was the day after he oh, wasn't that just stabbed the... the guy in the ah. thing. And he saw it in the newspaper. And that's well, they how... said there was just a body floating in the river. Did he say it was in the river or found at the orchestra place oh i thought they said there was a body found because i was trying to read italian you know with my yeah my great italian sense i have the same problem i only have the copy with the italian newspaper so i have no idea what it says yeah I, on the the blu-ray it, it did translate it and say something about a body in the river oh wait i've got so, it right here cadavere de uno scono sus yeah yeah it doesn't say anything about it looks like it it looks like it says fiume I don't know. I, I, I don't speak Italian, so... If anyone out there wants to... Well, long story know. short... You know. <laughs> okay. So, moving right along. Take this train down the river, Eric. All right. Well, uh, that split. night, they're, they're, at a, they're at a fun little party, Nina and Roberto. The guests are telling some pretty morbid stories. Uh, one, of the, one of their friends talks, talks about this uh, guy in Saudi Arabia who is being executed... And in order to carry out the execution, they stuck a stiletto, which uh, is not the heel, as I found out. It's not the shoe, but uh, basically what they're calling a a little, like a spike or something that they stick in the guy's neck to uh, force him to go rigid. 
So his head sticks straight up in the air, and then they're able to cleanly behead him uh, in the city square in front of everyone. And uh, this this is a little story that they kind of tell in passing, but it's just the, the imagery that I got when I was listening to it uh, got stuck in my brain. And then as we find out, it also gets stuck in Roberto's um, as he's listening to this. He gets a little disgusted, goes over to the records, begins sifting through them, and finds a developed photo of him in the middle of his act of murder. So, uh, right, of course, this uh, adds to his sleeping problems. Uh, he suddenly finds himself dreaming of that act of execution in Saudi Arabia that the friend was talking about, and that was uh, putting creep to sleep. No! Oh. Well... I'm not going to lie to you. The first time I watched this, I did take a snoozle in the middle. But um, this part I actually really liked, and I liked how they did it, how it was like a white screen, and then the image started becoming more clear as it was not being blown out kind of thing. That, I thought, was actually really, really clever. Sorry, I had my microphone on mute there. No, it's okay. And there's also that amazing blonde chick who's like oh my god so <laughs> i like her way. a lot <laughs> yeah she's your your uh, token dumb female in the jealous Love that creep loves you gotta have so <laughs> but uh, yeah as he's having trouble sleeping here he decides to get up and wander the house at night and uh before long a rope is thrown around <gasps> his neck and there's what i caught as a voice of a woman coming out of the the mask, uh, that creepy mask, telling him that uh, they're going to wait to kill him, that there's nobody out there to help him, that they're not going to go to the police. So he's basically just got to wait around and see what's going to happen to either him or his family and friends. Now, this is where I call bullshit. (laughs) Here it is, everyone. I don't understand why. Like, I could totally kill you, but guess what? I'm not going to do it. Later. Like what the fuck like why like when you find out to me when you find out why the killer is doing what the killer is doing it doesn't make any sense that the killer is killing other people then i don't it's know that, i just it's like that needle into the neck it's it's making him all tense and rigid and scared uh, no nope, not good enough i don't know um but let me ask <laughs> see if chris knows the answer to this question do you know if a lot of the English dubs on all these movies were done by the same actors? I don't know, but, you know, the voices sound the same. I know that um, the voice of um, Michael Brandon, I think, is is the English dub because he's, he's an English actor, I believe. So it's definitely his voice. I don't know about um, what's the girl's name, his wife, um, Mimsy Farmer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's hers uh, voice, but I've seen her in another giallo and it sounds like the same voice. So I think sometimes, at least with Argento, for sure, you know, like the Tony Mustaine. Yeah, uh, from from Bird with Crystal Plumage. That's definitely his voice. And Mark Daly, uh, the character in Deep Red, that's definitely his voice. David Hemmings. Um, so I think like his top billing cast will, <clears throat> if he gets English actors, they'll do their own dubs. But oh, gosh. a lot of these other ones are definitely uh, used over and over again. There's there's a couple of voices that you hear throughout all of these films, and you're like, oh, that was the same voice as the cop in this other one, and yeah. you know this, you know, it's it 
it's uh, there was obviously some a pool of talent that they used over and over again for these English dubs. A lot sure. of these voices sounded a lot like Crystal Plumage and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I was just wondering about that. Well, uh, a little fun fact since we're on that, the uh, Oreste Leonello, who we were talking about being in the case of the Bloody Iris, the professor in this film, uh, I was doing a little bit of reading about him just because I wanted to know what character he played in that stuff. And I found out he's actually a, a well-known voice actor uh, in Italy, even though he wasn't obviously doing the American dubbing, he apparently is the Italian voice of Woody Allen. So, <gasps> oh my yeah. God, do they cast these people based on lookalikes? <laughs> they might. Yeah, boy. Jesus That's Christ, crazy. he looks just like Woody Allen. Yeah, he's he's done a couple other voices, but uh, I guess Woody Allen is his the Italy's go-to guy is Oreste Leonello for Woody yeah. Allen. So, oh my God. Well, that's just like. Um, case of the bloody iris the guy who played colombo specter was the colombo voice in italian totally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so cool dude so much incestuous stuff going oh, on I here i love it having fun with voiceover actors on jello <laughs> chow chow hell yeah so uh so then Roberto, everything gets fucking weird yeah roberto's found wandering by nina she questions him about the noise that she heard and uh, tells him about the strange behavior that she's been noticing in her husband. She's concerned. Uh, meanwhile, through all this, we get these visuals of their maid in her bed, watching through a crack in her bedroom door. She uh, saw the uh, the confrontation between Roberto and this mystery character, and then now she's uh, eavesdropping on Roberto fessing up to uh, killing a man. And uh, he, he tells her about the person now stalking him, and uh, she goes to... Or he goes to find the evidence to to show her what what's been going on, but now it's missing. So Nina asks him the name of the victim. He tells her Carlo Marosi, I believe, and uh, she tells him that she found his bloodstained wallet in a dresser. So she has indeed seen the evidence. And uh, so convenient. She, <laughs> she's uh, basically panicking at this point, and she uh, sees them running headlong into this trap, and she wants them to run away. So she's giving him an out right here, but Roberto, he doesn't want to take it. I don't know. Hell I don't know no, about this guy. He won't go. <laughs> Instead, he, <clears throat> he says he's going to stick around. He's going to figure out, get to the bottom of this. He heads down to a river uh, oh, to my find God. a couple of his friends there. <laughs> and uh, we get some great hallelujah music as <sighs> we're introduced to God. The Short Lord. for Godfrey in this case. but Or God Almighty. Not to <laughs> confuse anyone any further. <laughs> He's got a uh, friendly parrot named Jerkoff, <laughs> and uh, his diet consists of raw fish. And he uh, he's, he, one he's of these been guys eating that... a bunch of holy mackerel. Oh, boy. <laughs> I While can't believe here, Argento it. missed that one. <laughs> or maybe he didn't miss it. Oh no! I, like I heard, I heard the jokes in this fucking movie. He would have fucking <laughs> paid top dollar for that one. <laughs> Well, that's well, a kind know, of an English idiom, isn't it? So maybe he doesn't know what a oh, holy mackerel is. That's true. They've got all their own idioms over there. They <laughs> sure do. But, uh, yeah, Godfrey's listening to Roberto's plight, and uh, his advice is to hire a private eye, and then also to get their buddy, the professor, to watch his house. And the professor's <laughs> this eccentric musician who lives out there in the wilderness with Godfrey, 
uh, one of these brilliant Argento secondary characters. Actually, both of these guys are. I, uh, I thought they were very charming. I loved them in this film. All right. Crickets. <laughs> I, I, particularly, I particularly like when Gottfried says, uh, if you see anything like murderers or blackmailers or the like, let us know. As if those are <laughs> guys that easy to sort Yeah, you kind of spot those right away. <laughs> yeah, you know, God's just trying to help give some divine justice and help Roberto in this uh, this plight of his. And Roberto is returning home from his excursion. He's in the rain. He sees a person in a raincoat, and so uh, of course he thinks this is the killer, and he decides to attack him and bludgeon him with a lead pipe or something like that. Makes sense. Uh, but it finds out he finds out it's just the mailman with a special delivery. And uh, from here on out, there's a bit of a testy relationship between these two, to say the least. But uh, around the same time, the maid, uh, who was overhearing all this juicy gossip, uh, makes a call to an unknown party. A pretty cool scene uh, following the phone lines from one end to the other. Uh, She asks this person on the other line to meet her in a park to make an exchange of money for her silence. It's a little bit of blackmailing going on here. And uh, now we go to the the park, one of the more iconic scenes from this film, I would say. We've got some haunting circus music playing in the background, some uh, people, uh, some kids playing in the playground, a couple uh, having a little rendezvous tryst out by the trees. And uh, she turns to light a cigarette, sort of being, uh, I guess, entranced by everything that's going on and uh, doesn't notice that the music has stopped. The people are all gone. And uh, the uh, gates to the park are closing and being locked. Uh, but it's not done gradually. It's done with a pretty strange jump cut. Uh, and, uh, is this something you're a fan of, Creep? <clears throat> well, I will say that he used jump cuts a lot in this movie. And um, by this point in the movie, it was already kind of getting old and the way they were done in this scene seemed kind of sloppy. And then all of a sudden it's like fucking pitch black. Like it's like she was in a time vortex when she went to light her cigarette and like a good hour and a half had passed by the time she took a puff. And cause she was like irritated and like totally freaking out. Like not, you know, that's to lose that much time from someone who's that like annoyed or like just on guard didn't really make a whole lot of sense for me. But, um, but yeah, but there, this, this movie is jump cut central dude. Like, see, I I kind of think that, you know, the, the maid was kind of in a, in a, a little bit more of a trance. That's the way I like to, to, to think about it. it. It looked to me like, you know, she her, she was lost in thought there. And the last time she had looked over, she saw the kids on the, uh, you know, on the playground. And she saw the couple making out in the, in the bushes. And then she looked again and everybody's gone. And I think it was kind of an abrupt kind of awakening. And I think the jump cuts were supposed to be that abruptness. But the way they were, the way they looked, it looked like it was cut by the guy who did land of the lost or something, (laughs) you know, it was just really choppy, you know? Yeah. But 
Yeah, I'll definitely agree with you. I, when I was watching it, I thought it was. I was like, okay, what what's he trying to convey here with these jump cuts? Because yeah, they're they're pretty sloppy, but um, Chris is making a lot of sense, and that's kind of what I was trying to uh, rationalize in my mind. Basically, is that these that she's she's basically hypnotized or caught in a trance, and I feel like we've all had those moments where we kind of stare off into space, and the next thing we know, uh, things around us have changed a little bit, the environment's a little bit different, but. Yeah, to to ask us to believe that it's changed that much and that much time has passed, uh, it does take a little bit of a asking to suspend a lot sure. of disbelief. Now, for... again, I'm just gonna say, like, if this was an Ed Wood movie, I wouldn't have any problem suspending <laughs> that kind of disbelief. But because people like act like Argento's like a fucking god, like yeah. I come down a little harder on him. That's what well, she I guess said. The, I guess what it what it comes down to is if you watch a lot of the films that he's produced or directed, he, he pretty much does have a, a pretty good um, technical grasp of filmmaking. So if everything else is, is, you know, bordering on technically brilliant, then why would he put such sloppy jump cuts in unless he did it that way on purpose for the reason? And I think the reason being is, I mean, from here he did some other movie that bombed and then went into Suspiria. So, <clears throat> like... This is obviously that dreamy atmosphere that he kind of wanted to create. So I'm sure this is kind of like a bridge from Bird with a Crystal Plumage to Suspiria, trying to merge. Because there's there's just too much dreamy, and he was like seven years too late for the psychedelic fucking craze that he was trying to fucking put together here. But um, yeah, we could come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Something I'll probably touch on later too is is all the weird techniques that he's trying out in this film. But uh, yeah, that's that's where we're left here in the park now. Uh, she's left alone. It's a bit darker now. The tension's building, and uh, she hears some noises coming from the brush. And uh, smartly, instead of going to investigate like other heroes in our films might do, she uh, runs away uh, through this hedge maze of sorts. It's not really too much of a maze, but. Uh, there's some disorientation going on. Jack Nicholson jumped out at her. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, she she soon finds herself trying to escape through a tight alleyway. Now, this is where I, I started breathing heavily. I am very claustrophobic um, when it comes to stuff like this, watching films like The Descent and, and stuff like that. So trying to watch her squeeze through this tight alleyway was getting me hot and bothered. <laughs> in all the wrong ways. But uh, she does manage to get out on the other side, and uh, she starts crying for help. And lo and behold, there's a couple on the other side of this uh, of this large stone wall. And uh, this, unfortunately, however, sets up this uh, tragic kill. Uh, the guy's unable to scale the wall. They tell her to meet them at the gate. She says that's not going to happen. And then the next thing they hear is her blood curdling scream. Did this kind of remind you of Val Luton? at all how this was done i think so yeah like the, the, the leopard man is, yeah the, that they that he uh i guess sidestepped uh putting out a gory gory kill and just uh, built up this this tragic um scene of of this person that uh is so close to getting away so close to getting help and then it's just the wall separating her from safety it, it's just really weird because for an argento movie him being so gore heavy 
I I rather liked this a lot that we didn't see her get killed. You know what I'm saying? But I did too. It, yeah. it was just it was strange for Argento, I guess. Well, uh, as we'll see, he kind of saves it all up <laughs> for towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> or his pants. Apparently. Good stuff. <laughs> but, uh, all about the pants. <laughs> so this is when we're introduced now to the uh, lovely Dahlia, uh, who happens to be Nina's younger cousin. As she comes to stay with Nina and Roberto against Roberto's wishes. For uh, why? You know, I don't know. He's... Did they specify why he was so mad? Not in any real direct sense. I guess you have to sort of connect some dots. Maybe he's he doesn't enjoy having more people involved in his life right now. Um, being that he's just, just like him, right? He's a prick. That's why. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> not a likable prick. Fuck no, dude. No. Oh. Definitely not. But you know, if you're being blackmailed by, um, you know, Mr. Bill. He'd probably be a little tense. But that's the right. whole thing, because he's being blackmailed, but not being blackmailed. Blackmailers want something. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, they're he's just being emotionally blackmailed. It's sort of like a two-hour cat and mouse game in this film. Just uh, no playing with no cheese at the end, <laughs> no reward. Well, maybe for some people that is, but well. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, at, at this very party that they're at, that uh, Dolly has shown up at, uh, his bandmates are harassing him for not showing up to practice. So we're seeing this uh, downward spiral of our poor Roberto. Uh, they learn that, or as, as he's listening to this, these people lecture him, he learns that the maid has been found killed in the park with her throat cut. Hmm. So, of course, this leads to more uh, paranoia in the night as Roberto's hearing noises in their home again. Uh, embarking back out, he finds that the house has been trashed, pillows have been uh, cut open. Dun dun dun. And uh, the killer's not there this time, but there is a note left behind that reads uh, in Italian, of course, that it was easy. So, once again, so playing a little sorry. chess game, saying how easy it was that this killer could have come in and done away with him, dispatched him, but decided not to. Of course, Nina doesn't like this, so she gives him an ultimatum. Tell the police or prepare to run away with her. Uh, Dahlia is the next to overhear this uh, discussion uh, with Roberto once again unwisely talking about this murder that he uh, committed, so he just can't keep his mouth shut about it. But uh, elsewhere... Our uh, mustachioed man, who uh, we seem to recognize from the beginning, maybe a, a twin or something, uh, possibly. Or a sister. Uh, he's wearing, or a sister, <laughs> wearing sunglasses. Uh, makes a call to an unknown party, the same one from before, saying he's not too thrilled about how out of hand this has all gotten. Uh, there was never supposed to be any real murders going on. And uh, turns out that this... A uh, person on the other line is the terrorist in the mask, in the uh, Mr. Bill mask, as Chris put it, uh, continuing to have now strange flashbacks of this padded room with a man's voice shouting, I wanted a son, not a weakling like you. Damn. So, we're getting a little bit of backstory, a little bit of a subplot here. And I just want to say, if I stood up on that bed, I could have smashed my head on the wall. 
the padding is only halfway up. That's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I did notice that too. I, I thought, should that padding go all the way up? <laughs> this is an unsafe environment. But that room looked cozy. Well, the budgets back in those days for those, I mean, they, they, they either had to raise the taxes or, or have half padded rooms, so. Or just make the rooms smaller. Or yeah, they That's could just what I would have done. put them in cages too, or something. <laughs> so apparently, our killer was was had to stay at a mental institution at some point, or at some point in their life. But uh, these two canoodlers talking on the phone arranged to have a meeting, and the man with the sunglasses and mustachio is indeed Carlo Morosi. Uh, he shows off the tools of the trade, uh, his uh, switchblade <laughs> that actually is one of those toy. Toy knives that which was very so, cool yeah and and uh, when it uh, goes into the into the handle some blood spurts out so a nice little added touch yeah uh, he tells the person that there was never uh, like he said any real murder to uh, be involved and uh, this sets his associate off his associate is offended by this and uh, bludgeons him uh, with I don't know some like candlestick or something something then, uh, phallic <laughs> Something Looks phallic like a, some of nature. Sort of talisman. <laughs> <laughs> like something straight century. out of a yeah, totally. And uh, this doesn't finish him off, however. So the, this uh, person finds some wire and twists it around his throat, like a clothes hanger wire. A spool that was hanging on a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Of just in some case. Sort of metallic wire. Yep. But uh, did you guys look at the hands at this point? Mr. Argento's hands. Is that who it was? Who it was? They didn't look very feminine to me. I guess is what my point was, and I always I was going off the premise that this killer was a woman. There's well, some hairy the, knuckles on that woman. Yeah, I was looking at that in in my in going through this movie today. I was looking at that, going, okay, now what are what are we supposed to be seeing here? Both of the hands are Carlos. He's trying to pull the tension loose because the actual tightening um, the killer has both hands doing the tightening because you can see that the both ends of the wire are going around in a circle and I yeah. don't think you can do that with one hand so I think that was the idea that makes this more is, sense this is but, but I not as high def as I thought I, I think that uh, I was confused by that too going well <laughs> you know now, now that I know who this is whose hands are those you know yeah Okay, so whether that was intentional or not, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's good you brought that up and cleared that up for me because that was that's what threw me off when I saw the ending for sure. So not to give anything away at this point yet, but I already oh, pretty will. much just did. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do we do we suppose that our audience doesn't want to know who the who the killer is until we reveal it in our plot summary? Yeah. Is that is that the idea? That's kind of the idea. It's like, <laughs> I, I, it's stupid as shit too, but like, it's this whole idea that like, maybe people will listen up to the very end and then pause <laughs> it, go watch the movie and then come back. Right. <laughs> if they hadn't wanted to watch it beforehand, oh, yeah. I'll listen to these schmucks talk about it. Maybe that'll convince me. Oh, well. <laughs> so yeah, I guess what I've always done before is, is talk up to a certain point and cut it off. But with these films being a little more, um, I guess, you know, th this yellow crowd out there, the people that are probably listening to this show are people that have seen these movies. I'm pretty much the only one that hasn't, so. 
That's why I'm along for the ride. Oh. But, stop. Uh, oh, so then what happens? Stop. Then oh, what sorry. happens, Mr. Yeah, Detective? Let me... Yeah, I, I'm kind of getting bogged down here in the plot. Sorry about that, guys. Um, so yeah, Roberto gets another threatening note telling him that it's finished. So the killer is saying, game on now. Things are about to get amped up. Shit's and so this spurns real. Right. This uh this spurns him on to go visit the private eye, finally, that God advised him to do. And uh pretty interesting scene here. It's it's almost like he's driving up the steps. They're playing uh, the sound effect of this motor from his car as he's walking up the steps. Um the doorknob, of course, of this private eye is decorated like an eye, so nice touch there. <laughs> and then we're uh, introduced to a flamboyant gay man named Gianni who, uh, after some tension, Roberto uh, takes him to a lunch to tell him his story, learning afterwards that our uh, private eye, Johnny, has yet to solve a single case. He's got 84 failures notched into his belt, which he considers a fantastic record that's destined to be broken with this case. Oh, yeah. Now, who is this guy? I recognize him from something, and I can't place it. He's a French actor. He's... Didn't get too much about him. I know all I saw was that he was a very beloved actor in France. Um, he's he's won a lot of different uh, awards there, but as far as any real notable roles, I wasn't able to pin down anything myself. But I don't know if Chris had anything on that. No, I don't. I'm just scanning his uh, resume here in IMDb. It yeah, looks like Jean Pierre Marielle. And didn't he say that he wanted to play the character gay? Wasn't that in the trivia bits? I don't know. Maybe I should, maybe I should look at trivia once in a while. Uh, it's probably bullshit. It's on IMDb, <laughs> so... Right. So, yeah, this uh, there's this fun little meeting here with uh, Gianni. Uh, once once that o- that's over with, Robert uh, Roberto sees that Nina has had the police over to their house. So, uh... He, he wants to figure out what she, exactly she's told him and she tells him that it was to really just only talk about their murdered maid uh, but that she is indeed going to leave to go find somewhere safe to stay but Roberto tells her that he's going to remain steadfast he's going to stick it out rather than go to prison by admitting his uh, guilt and uh, this angers Nina to no end hell yeah it's angering creep right now he's smashing stuff no, I'm making more coffee. Fucking mad. <laughs> Show you, Roberto. Staying right. away from your freaking pixie-headed fucking chick. Well, uh, Roberto, you know, <laughs> he, he's, he's got some uh, backup here. He's not left alone for too long. Adalia's still in the house. She hasn't left yet. He, uh, she begins to pester him. Uh, he finds out that she knows the whole story. And, uh, so you know the whole story, yeah? So what do I do? Yep, that's a direct <laughs> quote from Roberto. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. Da- I tried. Our, our pretty little Dahlia gets a little seductive here, offering to draw a bath for him. And, uh, and she got out some pastels and some paper, and he's like, Bitch, that is not how you draw a bath. <laughs> Man, you're just, you come, came loaded tonight, didn't you? <laughs> Sorry. Ugh. I don't think you need any more coffee. I know, right? <laughs> okay, um, so, but so she gets kind of 
wicked. Yeah, even, even though she's playing a little seductive here, she's she's also kind of acting like a little bit of a tease. Hell yeah. He he reaches out for her. She slaps his hand away. Says this isn't what this is all about. But then like rubs her crawdad all up on his shoulder. Yeah, which <laughs> which is a little bit. Of, I mean. I've never been seduced to this degree before, so I guess I'm not too familiar with it. But you know, she seemed—it seemed like a very complex uh, seduction here. Well, she's got, it, she's got the massage oils to, out to some awesome tub sex. That's <laughs> right. She finally gives in and joins him in the bathtub, and we get one of the most awkward scenes I've ever witnessed. That's a tiny bathtub. I know. And, like, honestly, I kind of want to give him props for at least getting three different angles to <laughs> jump around to. More than most porno- pornos. <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird. And then there were all these, like, weird profile shots where they're, like, staring into each other's eyes smiling. It was, like, really weird. The whole thing felt weird. And I felt yeah, kind of our- bad for her because she had the spigot end. Yeah. Well, maybe she, she liked <laughs> well, some dis- Oh, jeez. We almost went there. <laughs> we almost did an insertion joke. Yeah. We teased it. We teased it. Just, Just like, like her. <laughs> but she's a she's a little cutie. She is. She's a little French Canadian cutie. Yeah. Good. And did you know? Fun fact that she's Alanis Morissette. She is not Alanis Morissette, but she is Richard currently Marks. married to Donald Sutherland. Shut your freaking back door. Here. Yep. That's freaking Jack Bauer's stepmom. I just laid it out on you. Sure is. Wow. Nope. That's bad, that, guys? dude. <laughs> I'm just picturing him from Body Snatchers going <laughs> in the bedroom. Pretty hot. <laughs> well, that's not because that's a stepmom. So. No, not Jack. Oh. It's dad. Ke- not, <laughs> not Kiefer. <laughs> Donald. I thought, I thought we were still talking about Kiefer. Oh, is it Kiefer's wife? No, no, okay. Donald's wife. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're we're on the same page. In body snatchers, yeah. We were just in different chapters. Yeah, <laughs> we were. Got it. Yeah, if she wasn't scared away by that scream, then uh, I think she's she's around to stay. That's so rad. <laughs> that is so cool. I'm glad I know that. Yeah. So. Uh, fun factoid. Little fun factoid out of the way now. Private investigator Gianni's back, showing up at the home for some additional materials to pour over. Just as a creep is pouring his coffee. Oh my god. And uh, Roberto goes to grab an apparent, or I believe it was Carlo's wallet, uh, but finds only a dead cat's carcass instead. Who now apparently has no lips. <laughs> that was the freakiest cat I'd ever seen. <laughs> I've seen a lot of dead cats. Wow. But I won't expound upon that right now. Okay. So later in the night... After having the same nightmare of the beheading. Those are like, dogs. <laughs> I like how you say that. And we keep hearing this crazy noise over there. And you're like, God damn, these dogs. Oh, don't worry <laughs> no. about it. They're, they're fine. <laughs> they're roaming free on the, the prairie. Freaking John just... Wayne Gacy animals over here on the show. <laughs> oh, you guys want some burgers later tonight? Yes. I do. So, uh... Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, he wakes up in the night. And finds that Dahlia is still there. She stayed behind from her train. And uh, she sort of says in kind of a, a creepy way that she's not leaving anytime soon. Doesn't she say it by saying, I feel like I will miss lots of trains. Yeah. 
which is not which is probably the last thing he wanted to hear after his little one night stand with a uh, little affair. I don't know. I think he kind of dug releasing the tension. You think so? Yeah, I yeah. guess you know he had he had that little bit of a spat with his wife. It so. didn't seem like him and Pixie were getting a whole lot of bumping and grinding going on. No, that's true. But I could have laid in between them in the bed. <laughs> we were just asking for trouble when it's the cousin. Yeah. At least go to a different zip code. Yeah. Oh well. Well. So Gianni's back at his place, pouring over the clues and details from the case drawing a conclusion that the killer is most likely a psychotic with multiple personalities, but that's about as far as he can go. Shocker. Get. Right. <laughs> I think we all <laughs> could come to that conclusion. But uh, So he, he uh, follows this rabbit trail of clues to Via Rapidi, a nursing home for the mentally ill, and learns more about a patient whose behavior apparently disappeared when uh, their father died. So this is kind of an Argento trope too, is it not like... This uh, the person who goes crazy. Then, uh, well, we, I think we even saw this in our last film. And then they they uh, turned sane for a, a period of time before something sparked Snaps. again. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. There are. I'm getting to the point where I could pretty much believe that Argento writes his scripts using Mad Libs or something like that. <laughs> and it's the same yeah. Mad Libs page every time. Because, like, again, like, we have an American artist of some kind in a foreign land who has this weird thing happen to, but instead of getting the fuck out of town, he wants to solve the crime himself. Yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> Fill in the blank here. Boob shot here. Jump cut there. It, it's... It's really, really similar. But the thing about this little bit that we're talking about right now, the music in this movie um, is what it is. And you have this montage that is not really a montage. It's really long shots of our investigator talking to people through windows. And they have this music playing that's super crazy and upbeat to try to make this not feel like a boring fucking series of shots. And it just did not work for me. I'm the asshole. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's all down here tonight. I What's am. Wrong? That was like fucking like, I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. It was just, it, yeah. But um, the guy who oh wait that was a different movie wasn't it i know i'm in the same no I, the the, <laughs> the guy that he's talking to, to the um the other gay guy in the room that he's like chatting it up with or whatever uh-huh. that guy's i think is in cat of nine tails as well okay as like so yeah i think you're right yeah, yeah. i was gonna bring it back to bloody iris but wrong area code or whatever so continue, Eric. <laughs> yeah, Stop I think me I, from talking. <laughs> I, I sort of tiptoed around that, that little scene because I didn't really see it, how it, it added to the plot. But mm. um, his, I guess just showing his, his, a little bit of his personal life into his, uh, his trysts around Rome. Well, they're at, are, are they at the house where the killer has some sort of rental? Yeah. 
There, and, there, there's some reason why the killer has something to do with that place, but it's not yeah. really clear. Right. And then, yeah, I, I just figured it was probably setting up something later on that I just didn't see anything come out of. So I, yeah, it was tiptoed around. Eagle. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Gianni's he's tracking down this person and he's on a subway train now filled with people. Oh, yeah. Uh, really trying to get this point across, showing all these different hands and feet and butts. And uh, he's watching people exit. He sees the one that he's tracking exit the train. He tries to follow him out, kind of gets blocked by all these different people. He's fighting through the crowd and uh, manages to lose this person. So he starts doing a little bit more searching around the subway stations. He's uh, walking through a bathroom, kicking in the stall doors. And uh, he gets to one stall and is knocked in the head by an unseen assailant. Holding something phallic. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Was it a pipe? It yeah, happened I think so it was fast. Just, it was another pipe or something, maybe even wrapped in a newspaper. But yes, more, more objects being hit into people's heads. And then uh, the person shoots him up with a substance. And uh, Gianni, in sort of a comedic little scene here as he's dying congratulates himself on his correct guess he finally solved the case after and if he would have just put his hand in his fucking coat pocket and pulled out that dumb notepad and writ wrote down who the fucking killer was i was going oh come on pull it out dude pull it out let people know that you solved this fucking case you fuck and he didn't do it and i was fucking mad <laughs> <laughs> well who's he gonna write down He's about to go into cardiac arrest. Killer doll face, man. No, but if he knew who it was, the killer even said, You knew it was me, you big right. You know, or whatever the fuck they said. So he, like, you know, he did it. Come on. Let's throw okay. him a fucking party. Yeah. I was angry, I guess he... but it's okay. Well, like Chris said, I think he had other things to worry about at that point. <laughs> yeah, someone else chewed me out about that already today, so I brought that up to somebody else today and they're like, you're a fucking idiot. He was dying. Someone in some chat room. And I'm like, suck it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> playing Call of Duty, you just brought it up probably <clears throat> on your headset. Playing Call of Duty, I was playing that Penguin game. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, okay, moving right along. Moving right along, Roberto is now being lectured by his and Nina's mutual friend, Andrea, who tells him to listen to Nina and keep their marriage together and uh, sort of brings up... White uh, pants and friend. afro, right? I think so, yeah. 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 Okay. The guy that was talking about the Saudi Arabian... The, the Frankenstein rape scene. Yep, and he, he has... Frankenstein. <laughs> He's got all kinds of juicy little tidbits, little stories. Uh, Have you? Did you guys notice that both of the stories he told... They kind of didn't have an ending, but when when the people were listening to them, they started like laughing at the point where it was not really the point to laugh. Yes. <laughs> like I, I've I've watched this film so many times, and I've you know I've listened to him tell those two stories, and I'm like, okay, what comes next? And then they the story's over. Yeah. They sprinkle paprika and parsley into the coffin, and okay, <laughs> yes, and. It's like that uh, part in Breakfast Club when Judd Nelson's up in the rafters <laughs> and selling the joke. <laughs> and a two-foot yep. salami under the other hand. <laughs> yep. you got to make your own punchline. Because oh. everybody's punchline is better than whatever it was he was going to say. Well, pretty I mean, much, yep. if you want to get technical here, those stories are written pretty much how Argento writes these movies. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I'm going to come up with a fun idea and then just kind of not give a shit. Right. Okay, Hit, sorry. Stitch, I'm sorry. Yeah, stitch guys. it all together. I'm no, I'm sorry. I, I stitch it together like hear. Frankenstein. Nice. Bringing yep. it back to topic, Eric. Back. Good Switching job. Here we go. Let's do this. Let's make it happen, right. Cap'n. Yeah, I think I'm on my last page, guys, so hang with me here. So, um, so then what happened? He uh, he arranges to meet with God and the professor. He should have just... And after he uh, finds out that Gianni has been murdered by reading another headline in the paper, and they go to an exhibition for the funeral arts. What? A, a place where, of course, God picked out himself. And uh, he gives a little bit of a reason here. I don't know if it's something Creep wants to believe, but he just remarks on how scary it is to see people making money off the dead. You've got different coffins like shaped Argento? like spaceships. And... <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Argento doing a little bit of a self-reflection here in this yeah. scene. Uh, God appears to... I keep calling him God. It's kind of funny, but... Godfrey appears to catch on to the motive pretty quickly that the person... Uh, started out to just basically drive Roberto insane uh, before being forced to commit these murders to keep the different people quiet that were finding out about it. So at the very same moment, Dahlia is packing in the house, so I guess she has decided to take the next train. Uh, when she hears some other voices, and it's the voices that we heard before, the father shouting at the, the child that he wanted a son. So, I don't know... We haven't really had too many red herrings up to this point, so I don't know if this is sort of supposed to be leading us down a different path. Well, than we... I think the the only red herrings that I really noticed were um, Mirko, or whatever, the keyboard player. Like, uh -huh. he chews them out at the beginning of the movie when they leave the studio at first. And he's like, you gotta keep on time, you gotta follow me, man. Yeah. And then he gets a phone call later and the guy gives him a dirty look. But then at the party, he's the one who tells the story of the execution. And then he keeps having dreams of the execution. So that was really the only thing. But there didn't really seem to be much motive there. But then there's all these characters that he just plops in this movie for no fucking reason. Like the neighbor across the street smoking a cigarette outside. The weird guy who gets the Swedish porn next door. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like here they're going to be in the movie for a scene maybe two and then we're just not going to give a shit anymore you know it was like yeah. weird herring weird herring is what we weird herring there you go yeah okay. but not holy mackerel oh damn it you did it again that's it's a it. different flavor that is a different flavor but it's because <laughs> but, they've been polluting the river right but i think um you know what i what i was thinking was that you know, you know, Roberto has decided that whoever this is, <clears throat> it's got to be somebody who's nearby who can get into his house quickly. Yeah. So they just kept showing people who lived in his complex because it was like, OK, it could be anyone, you know. Yeah, I think that was I think that was part of the idea. The other thing too, um, to kind of jump a little bit in here, this was really the only movie I could think of. And I might be completely wrong on this, but <clears throat> typically the whole POV thing he kind of saves for the killer. And in the beginning of this movie, like up until halfway through most of the POV shots were of everybody else. I mean, you had him having POV shots where he's chasing the guy. You have the maid doing a POV shot with the letter. That was really awkward. 
you know, and that was just, and so I didn't know if that was like, ooh, let's see how many people we could pretend to be the killer here by using these POV shots. So that was just a little bizarre. And then all of a sudden they just stopped doing that and, and all the POV shots were of the killer. So it was just, that was kind of weird. I agree. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, our poor Dahlia, after hearing these voices in her head, tries to get in contact with Roberto, but he's in the middle of a recording session. He ain't got time uh, for that. He ain't got time for that. He's busy. He's uh, doing his man thing. He's got bronchitis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She she hangs up and uh, calls someone else, but who it is, we don't know. Uh, later in the night, still alone in the house, she hears the noise of someone entering. And she attempts to hide, just as Roberto's trying to return the call. Uh, the phone rings unanswered. And uh, when that stops, she no longer hears any noises. Thinking that the danger has passed, she walks out, but is attacked and thrown down a flight of stairs before being ultimately stabbed to death. Kind of a little Hitchcockian. Very Hitchcockian. Uh, it was very psycho. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, the the family, including Nina, identifies the body. Uh, they all break down and uh, try to leave. The uh, I believe either a detective or a doctor tries to tell them uh, about a test that he wishes to run on uh, Nina's eye. Well, he doesn't say it to them. Uh, he just says he wants to run a test on her, and of course Nina is disgusted by this. She says only Roberto would want to do that. Talk to him. And he's like, what's the big idea here? Yep. It's not that thick. I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> All of a sudden, Rocky is in the movie. He's like, welcome back, Kata. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so moving along. Uh, yeah, only Roberto stays behind and listens to the doctor describe this test, which is to attempt to steal images from the retina, which he claims other studies have shown is able to retain images from the final four hours of a person's life. And uh, after running these tests, cool little lasers and science fiction-y type things going on here. Apparently Argento did not want to do. He was, yeah, he had to be talked into it by his, I believe, cinematographer. Or was it his daddy? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're you're the trivia master. I am no such. Yes, I am pretty awesome. Okay, go continue. (laughs) And uh, we see that the eyeball of Dahlia has been removed. Um, and put in this glass That's jar. That's trippy. Right. <laughs> Just the, yeah. This. So if you've seen, if you haven't seen the film, but you've seen the cover of the film or seen different things, I know there's different covers, but the one of like of the mask and stuff. But there's also one of eye, an eyeball. So that's kind of where this comes from. And uh, they ready it for the test, and they seat themselves before a projector that displays the image taken from that study. Uh, though all they can make out are four flies in succession, sort of in a small arc. Like a smile. So, a little bit of a, a smile, a fly smile, mm-hmm. as it were. And uh, Roberto's not satisfied with these results. Results find They determine him sort of inconclusive, so he resorts to buying a gun from Godfrey and staking out in his own house. Because Godfrey in his shack also has a ton of weapons there and stuff that's right that he sells on the black market that's yeah that's how he makes his money yeah makes sense yeah so they they can pay the mortgage on that shack and the hammock (laughs) and that 
very comfortable looking hammock. In case someone comes to steal his uh, mackerel. <laughs> <laughs> or his jerk off. That's right. Keep away from his jerk off. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, uh, Roberto gets a call from Godfrey, or God, but his friend God is cut off mid sentence. The lines of the phone have been cut. Oh, shit. He uh, does some MacGyvering, Jerry rigs an outlet to create a makeshift light switch so he can sit on the other side of the room and uh, turn the lights on in the house as soon as the killer steps in, uh, which he believes is uh, coming up to the house right now. Uh, But instead, he's a bit surprised when it's Nina who enters. So his wife's come back for him. Uh, They have another little spat, a little argument. He's like, take my car and just go. (laughs) That's right, he's trying to shoo her out of there trying to push her through the doorway. I don't care where you go. He notices a pendant that she's wearing swinging in front of her chest. And what does that uh, pendant give the illusion of, Chris? Four flies. That's right. On a necklace. On a weird blouse that's not made of gray velvet. No. And it's a big giant piece of, like, turd or something. It's the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. Well, I called it a pendant, but it could be a turd. Too, well, no, so. I mean, it is. It's just like a big black fucking rock. Oh, the fly? With a fly on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did notice that Roberto was wearing gray velvet earlier, though, so. Hmm. Oh, was he? Yeah. Did you want to rub on it? I did. I was looking for the four flies, though. Mm. Sort of came a little later in the movie than I thought it would, but. Well, that's um, what keeps the girls happy. That's right. Don't want to come too early. <laughs> That's right. So no... Yeah, whatever. Anyway, he begins <laughs> playing into her, not realizing she's taking control of the gun. Oh, man. to a crazed fit. And after he hits her and her mouth is all bloody, she looked like a psycho, dude. Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we forgot to put the, the alarm in here, but... Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. He, he, he is a... Uh come to the conclusion after about 20 other people did and finds out that the killer <laughs> is indeed Nina. Um, yep, she's got the crazy eyes now. Her hair is all disheveled. She's got a bloody lip. So this is setting her up to be this crazy woman that she was trying to hide the whole film. And uh, she she first vaguely remarks that Roberto is so much like him and then fires the gun at him. And uh, one of the other iconic shots in this film, and I believe what I read, and I believe everything I read, that this was <laughs> the uh, first real uh, high-speed, slow-motion slow bullet bullet going into someone's The uh, thing elbow, I read the... said, um, and this was done 25 years before The Matrix, I started laughing so hard. I'm like... <laughs> Just, I don't it's know. totally the same thing. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically the whole the whole scene is just the yeah this bullet slowly entering into his shoulder, and uh, after shooting him, she reveals her motive, saying that her father dressed her up like a boy and raised her as a boy, and uh, would beat her and uh, get angry at her for not uh, responding to these beatings like a man would, and. Uh, this is sort of the one of the, uh, the the things that people like to remark on when talking about this film is how a lot of the the English dubbing for some reason or the dialogue 
was cut out WTF, from this. WTF, dude. So there's, yeah, it goes back back and forth between American dubbing and then Italian, or yeah, Italian language with American subtitles. No subtitles. You didn't get the subtitles. Uh, I right. had two versions of it with no subtitles on that part. So I don't <laughs> know right. what I the fuck version. is fucking crying about. Okay. Did you get any of it, Chris? Yeah. Um, I mean, the copies that I've seen, I don't even re- I don't even remember. I've seen I've had so many different versions of this thing, and um, I'm pretty sure that the copy that I have has mostly her interpretations or explanations in English. But I do remember her saying a couple of words in Italian. Um, it's kind of what they did when when they rescued some of the missing scenes from Deep Red. They uh, they couldn't fi- they couldn't find the audio, so they just they put the um, they put the Italian audio in, but they added subtitles. Now I, I don't my copy of Four Flies doesn't have any subtitles. Yep. Um, so even like you know when when they show a newspaper article, they don't they don't put a subtitle in for what the yeah. translation is. So lazy. Um, I mean. I pretty much got the gist of it, though. Yeah, bitch is crazy. Her dad wanted a boy, and she got her butt kicked for it. And now, for some reason, she's mad because her boyfriend, who doesn't beat her, reminds her of him. Yeah, Solid plot. I, she, she was pissed that she never uh, got a chance to get revenge on her father because he died before she could kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. That's and so that's what I mentioned. Yep, and then Roberto came along, and he was like, he looked just like her father, and probably acted like her father because he acts like an asshole. So, <laughs> uh, so all of a sudden, she's like, "Hey, I can finally get my revenge." Sort of, I guess I'll feel better, even though it's not really revenge. That's a really long, drawn out, and a lot of commitment to put into <laughs> a revenge plot that will serve no one but her. And the, and the funny part, too, in, in this long rant that she has at the end is that another one of the reasons why she's so angry is because she did she was the one that spent the time in that asylum that we saw those uh, cut scenes from. And she was angry that she had been labeled a maniac from people who didn't know her history. But then it's like, well, you're kind of pretty much job. playing this chess game with this guy's life who had nothing to do with the torment that you suffered. And through. didn't she say her mom was in the same hospital? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) And this is the best part because then she shoots him again or whatever and takes off running when God shows up. And the last bit of stuff that fucking uh, douchebag says, he's like, yeah, bitch be crazy. (laughs) Like, that's his like, yep, well, she's crazy. I don't know. But the mystery (laughs) solved, so... He's happy. And then what happens? What What is just hammered home even further? Right. Women still can't drive. Whether they're crazy or whether <laughs> they're not, they still can't fucking figure out which way they're going. <laughs> well, to her credit, is it is night. Nighttime out. And I don't think, I don't know if she had the headlights on. But... Well, I mean, she should have been looking at the towards the front of the car when driving straight. I know. Instead yeah, of out I, the back window. But, you know... I, I, I wrote in here that she, you know, she's driving away, looking behind her pretty much the whole time. It's like, what are you, what are you looking for? Some guys on their on feet trying to chase you down? Because yeah. I think she took his car from what I, I don't, or unless she, I guess she did show up in her own car. But yeah, they're not going to get in their own cars and chase her down in time. But now the, the paranoia has kind of got onto her and it ends up 
costing her her own life. By trying to park her car under a trash truck. She <laughs> Exactly. But instead makes trash out of her own car. And uh, it the momentum of this car careening out of control uh, pretty much slides it underneath as the back of this trash yes. compactor crushes through the front of the windshield and decapitates her, um, capping off all that uh, sim- symbolism and imagery we saw from his all his dreams that he was having. So, Chris, how does this work as far as getting Jalo score points for the murderer dying? Is- so this is the best w- possible way for the murderer to meet their end. It was an accident. Uh, if the killer <clears throat> dies um, accidentally or by by purposely committing suicide, they get ten points. Uh, if the killer is killed by uh, purposely by another character, they get five points. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question that has nothing to do with this movie right now, and I'm not going to reveal any spoilers. But if we're talking Cat and Nine Tails. Is that considered an accidental death? That's a good question. And I think um, I was thinking about that the other day um, because I was, again, remembering that end scene. I'm going to call that one an accidental. Um, and I think that's how I scored it if I went back, went go back and look. Okay. That was just, I was... Just... That's a good question. Okay. Because there, yes. there, is, there is a question of... Well, maybe, you know, the killer was uh, pushed a little bit at the end, and, but, you know... Yeah, I understand, same... I understand. I, I get it now. <laughs> you don't have to... I don't want to ruin it, but um, I, I just put it together <laughs> as to why that push would have been probably more accidental than anything else. Right. Yes, okay. Yeah, got it. Exactly. And, right. well, and if you look at if you look at most of the uh, movie posters for that, you'll see the the spoiler right there. So that that exact scene that we're talking about is on every, almost every poster for Cat and Nine Tails and video uh, the the video the, the VHS cassette um, cover, which was my original copy that I got when I was I think I was like 22, um, has the killer right on the front cover of the VHS. <laughs> And I had never seen the film before, so I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, well, that's... Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what this end scene kind of reminded me of, though, was was the end of, like, a Don't Torture the Duckling. Um, Just this gratuitous, though still somewhat artistic display. It was just done in slow motion as uh, the, the garbage truck is smashing through and then eventually... Uh, cleanly somehow slices her head off and it goes rolling down the street. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's our our film for tonight, everyone. Thanks for joining us. For <laughs> so, um, Eric, let's start with you. You've been talking. What do you think <laughs> about it? <laughs> right. <clears throat> um, well, kind of going... I. I wrote down my thoughts right after watching it, and I realized that was a mistake. This is a film that I had to really kind of mull over and think about during the day today. So some things I came up with now after thinking about it. Sorry, one second. Oh, I thought we lost him. That was kind of scary. (laughs) Um, One thing uh, 
some of the things that uh, came up is that I was trying to debate whether this was just another Argento going for style over substance. Um, I mean, he's he's got some the charming secondary characters we talked about, um, and a lot of the the things, the camera techniques and tricks that he does through like the guitar hole yeah. as the guy's playing guitar. It's it was real cool and pretty, but uh, is there enough substance there as far as a plot? Um, I think that's up. When I thought about it, I, I thought it was pretty cool but reading some reviews i think a lot of people were left feeling a little empty and um when you kind of step back and go on the fringe of this whole film it looks really strange um a lot of the it's really absurd like you were talking about how how do these things all mesh together at the end how when you you step back and try to think of how everything connects uh, there's no there's no points where most of it connects it's all just very strange um but in that that interview I was listening to with on that on this Blu-ray with Luigi Cozy, he's talking about how um, they were they really were going for more imagery and uh, stuff that Argento was trying out, um, which uh, I think a lot of people say that he perfected in Deep Red later on. But the stuff he's trying out here, uh, as he's trying to mimic and portray these books that he was reading and watching a lot of Sergio Leone films. Um, Cozy even said that there was a lot of this, they were trying to go for like a Western feel, like with uh, I can see that. Roberto doing the stakeout in his house mm-hmm. sort of thing, um, feeling a little bit paranoid. Um, and then also adding sci-fi in there with, with the eye. And uh, as far as all that goes, um, my take on it, I... Would give it a positive review. I think that it starts off strong. Uh, the pacing is pretty good at the beginning. It does sort of have a lot of stops and starts once you hit the middle part and going towards the end. A lot of repetition of things going on. Um, and of course, we talked about Roberto, who's very unlikable. Oh my fucking god! And it's almost to the point where we want to see him get his comeuppance. And uh, when Nina finally comes out as the murderer in the end, we want her to shoot him in the right between the eyes and uh, get her revenge but yeah like I said I give it a positive review I kind of wish I'd seen it before Deep Red because I unfairly kind of put it up next to that one um, saying oh I could see where you did this in Deep Red or I could see why you know a lot of the same a lot of similar plot points and characters even Um, so it would have been fun to see this before that to watch the development though so um, that's kind of where I stand on it Nice. What about you, Chris? What about me? Okay. Well, what about let's me. See. This is uh, this Who is am a I? difficult. It, it's this is one of those films where, um, I kind of, for me the, the the mystique that surrounded the film, um, plays a little bit into how I regard whether I like it or not. And the reason I say that is because. Um, for the longest time, this was the film that you couldn't find anywhere. Um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage was very easy to get. Cat of Nine Tails you could get if you if you looked hard enough. Um, Deep Red, same thing. Obviously, Suspiria was was easy to get once you got to, to the point where there was uh, DVD releases. But for some reason, I think it was um, Fox. Maybe I can't remember which which studio it was. 20th Century Fox had the rights to this film in the u.s for a long time and it had never been released um so whatever bootleg copy i could get my hands on i watched 
And when I got it, I'm not sure that I really liked it enough on its own, but I liked it simply because it was it was such a rarity. It's kind of like um, anything else that you can't get your hands on. You just want it, even though it might not even be that good. Um, but for me, um, the film kind of gets better each time I watch it, and I think it's probably because I pay less and less attention to the specifics of the script, and I watch it more for um, the style of it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, again, I'm learning more and more about this film every time I watch it. And definitely Roberto is not, you know, your likable protagonist for sure. And, um, you know, I didn't find anything sexy about um, his wife um, at all. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little uneven with it um, because I've seen it so many times and um, it's... Uh, I do like the film in, in for for certain things and for you know um, you know the scene in the town square the dream sequence is really well done the opening scene montage where he's being um, followed by Morosi um, and that and that was one of the things that kind of was like okay so I've seen this film about four or five times watching my crappy pan and scan four by three VHS copy. And I finally get, you know, a good, pristine-looking version in Letterbox in full scope. And that opening montage, you, you really can't even watch it um, in four to three because you're you're missing so much information from those from those shots of of Roberto um, following, you know, being followed. And Especially then following. that big wide one at the park, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, the scene where you know he's walking and the the three kids come out and throw confetti on the on the guy who's following him, and then he takes his glasses off and he shakes some of the confetti off. And if you if you if you had a four by three copy of that film, you wouldn't even have known what was going on because it it totally cut out that that scene on the left side. Um, and you know the 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 scene in the um, in the park was really cool, the stalking scene of the maid. Um, but yeah, there there's there's something about i mean this is definitely not my favorite argento giallo um it it but i i kind of feel like you know bird with the crystal plumage had a lot of style um and it was like you know argento's first try and then cat of nine tails was 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 not as style heavy but more plot driven uh and this one was kind of like him deciding that he was going to merge the two and do some experimentation which um you know, like Eric was saying, kind of came to fruition in Deep Red, which actually was another stepping stone towards his, you know, Suspiria experiment, which yeah. which was really kind of like the, you know, when he got to Suspiria, it was like, well, we're just throwing the script out the window. And and, and if you even look at Inferno, it's even worse. You know, there's, there's no, yeah. there, let, let's blame this all on Supernatural, and now we don't have to connect any of the dots at all, and we'll just, you know, go for style over substance. Um so you can kind of see the evolution of, of Argento in this way, and um, I'm not really, I'm not really kind of being very decisive here with whether I like it or not. I, 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 I watch it, um, and and I will, I will repeatedly watch it, and every time I do watch it, I find something to enjoy about it. Um, but it, it still is the kind of movie that I think either it takes time to grow on you, or if you're the kind of you know, for some people, it will never grow on them. They'll be like, you know, you know, I'm not watching this again. It's it really wasn't worth the hype. Um, but other people kind of see kind of 
you know, you, you can see some of the things that uh, with repeated viewings that, um, you know, maybe kind of grow on you a little bit and, and it, it becomes uh, the kind of movie that you watch again because you're familiar with it and it becomes kind of like a, you know, a, 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 you know, like a, you know, these movies for again i made this point before these movies for me kind of remind me of being younger and and so there's a little bit of a nostalgia uh connection to them so when i watch them it makes me feel young again which is it's just a great thing obviously um but uh you know the um certainly the ending the, the the slow motion car scene and you know the other funny thing about this movie with its you know we're gonna try and figure out who killed uh Dahlia by using this crazy contraption. Um, one of my initial drafts of Jalo score, one of the um, signature rules was that some sort of ridiculous, could never happen in real life scientific <clears throat> thing was used to help figure out who the killer is. And um, Argento seems to be really the only one who does that, so I took it out because it's. it's <laughs> they it's did that. Really they good. did that on Fringe. <laughs> Okay. As, Walter as it turns down. out, I think that's actually something they did a lot in like the 20s on radio mysteries in Italy and on their Olgiali books. They pulled um, out people's eyeballs. Yeah, they they there was an old theory that they used to have back in the day uh, that they that people who died the uh, the images of their the last couple hours were kept in the retina, and uh, like I said, with that piece of trivia, I do remember uh, that from an old movie, and I can't remember what movie it was. Yeah, I think they said Argento was the only one to do it. And like we said, with that, that piece of information, he didn't even want to show it. Um, uh, but he was convinced to do it because of the, the camera tricks that they played with it. But, but I mean, if you look at Bird with the Crystal Plumage, they figured out a way to isolate the sound of that bird chirping from the recording that they did from the, from the yeah. telephone. Um, and then in Cat of Nine Tails, this whole XYY chromosome thing. Totally. Um, you know, so you know, he's used the science thing over and over again. And um, after the, after <clears throat> watching those three, I said, well, this probably should be um, one of the criteria of the score. But then nobody else really kind of did that. <laughs> Almost all the other Jalos are a little bit more realistic in that regard. So, but you know, I think um, you know people tend to describe Argento films as. You know, dreamlike or nightmarish, and um, this this film definitely goes in that direction. I mean, if you were to compare it to Cat of Nine Tails, which is really um, straightforward, yeah, very straightforward, very very story and plot driven. Um, this one is a little bit all over the place. It's like you know, it, the motive of the killer is almost not even important because you know the idea that someone is torturing somebody else with threats, but with no desire for, you know, anything, um, anything. Yeah. Other than to just, to, to just make this person's life living hell for a few weeks, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I like the film and you know, it, it, uh, it gets a, a very high score on Jalo score. Um, and I, and I definitely recommend it because of, you know, where it stands in the, in the historical context of the genre, and, and how much it in, you know is it it shows it shows like a progression of Argento as a director and it shows a progression of the genre and Argento was always kind of taking a genre that he kind of 
pioneered and then and then turning it on its ear a little bit to to try to now this was supposed to be he didn't want to was it that he didn't want to do jolly anymore i don't know yeah i think i heard he got burned out kind of he was kind of sick of it and he went he tried to go to do that comedy and that flopped oh yeah five days in milan or something right and then came back when you know when he came back to do deep red i I guess you know he for four flies he was kind of you know, trying to find a way to make it a little bit different and still make it a giallo. Yeah. And when when Deep Red came around, you know, he did the same thing again, but he a little bit more successfully, I think, yeah. with Deep Red. So, yeah. well, as far as I go, um, this is my least favorite movie we've done on the show. I oh, actually wow. like Bay of Blood better than I like this movie. And Get out of town. I swear to God, dude. And the main reason is because the music in this movie sucks yeah. the biggest yeah. freaking ball I've ever freaking had the yeah. pleasure to have in my mouth. Now, now you can see bad. why Ennio took his <clears throat> ball and went home. That's what I'm saying, CM Punk. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Like, it's the the music during the love scene was good. You know, it was typical Maricone awesome yeah. stuff. I didn't even. I thought the end music was good, and I didn't yeah. like the music up until that point, which is kind of sad. Dude, it was awful in the beginning. the The opening credits, like there were some cool images in it, but Jesus H, like I seriously, I really didn't want to watch you it. Like you don't like electric organs? I do actually, oh, but cool. I don't like freaking busy acid rock for no reason and like <laughs> i read that he originally wanted deep purple to be the band yeah. in this and it's just like i think that's what said i just feel like too. everything just like everything he wanted to do right here the fashion everything felt like it was like 1968 instead of 1971 and i know that doesn't sound like a whole lot but it's like it was so like hippie and acid influenced yeah that it just didn't work for me as someone who likes these movies for particular reasons because like i like my fashion i like my tongue-in-cheek and that's another thing the humor in this movie was like the worst i've ever seen in any of these movies like it was like Adam Sandler on a bad day. Like, it was bad, I thought. (laughs) And, like, the hallelujah part. Oh, my God, dude. Like, I was, like, cringing. (laughs) And, and I mean, this movie could have been called Watch Roberto Make Stupid Faces. Because, like, 90% of this movie was a close-up on his face, like, going, ooh. And I didn't understand. He had, like, no emotion about anything. And, like, with the whole, like, um, Argento reusing the same things all over again, one of the things that, it in Bird with a Crystal Plumage, it made me giggle. Like, when someone's, like, like he's like, oh, when am I going to see you again? Never. Tomorrow. <laughs> you know? And then in Deep Red, <laughs> right. they, they do it with the two main characters. And in this one, he's sitting on the couch and... Mimsy's like, tell me what happened. No, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, I murdered someone. It's just like, oh, okay, that was wasn't hard at all, you know. Like, he was like making such an, oh, I don't know, dude. It's just the when people say Argento is style over substance, 
there better be some fucking style in there. And this movie, it, I don't even think it had style. Like, the jump cuts were kind of cool up to a point. The curtains in the bedroom were fucking amazing. Like, that's me nerding out on shit. Like, the, there, there it is. The curtains were beautiful. I really liked the curtains. But other than that, dude, it was just, like, fucking painful. And I, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch... Because the first time I watched it, it was on this shit fucking copy I have. And it was so dark, I couldn't fucking tell anything that was going on. And I'm like, okay, and I, I fucking hit Eric up. I'm like, Eric, please tell me, like, you have a fucking better copy of this fucking movie. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, yeah. And so he, and that was the Blu-ray rip, right? No, I, I couldn't, I didn't have a program to rip the Blu-ray, oh, okay. so I was like, well, I'll just go torrent it. Oh my god, dude. Um, I didn't look to see if it had subtitles or if it was any better quality or anything. I just said, here. No, the, the sound quality was fine, and it was a nice widescreen presentation of it. It was fine, but it was still really fucking dark. It was just, and I'm like, thinking to myself, I'm like, fuck. And I thought it was the Blu-ray, and I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is the restored version? And I don't know if your guys is, it, are the dark scenes really dark in the Blu-ray too? Uh, you know, I did not, not remarkably, not anything that I could really, that really stood out to me. Huh. No, I mean the copy I have, um, it's it's very, uh, it's very well um, mastered as far as the as far as the contrast goes. But um, some of the scenes in the apartment at night are a little on the dark side. But if you compare the the dark side. To, yeah. No if you stop. if you compare it to um, what you know the, the older versions of the film where even the lighter scenes are completely dark, then you know it's much better. God, the do you remember how amazing VHS was? And we're like, wow, we're like in the future, <laughs> and we were looking at that shit. <laughs> no, I'm not 60 years old. Oh, you're such an ass. Okay, well, when you, when you grow pubes, you get to continue this conversation. Okay, but seriously, um, I thought the whole God and Professor thing was just ridiculous and stupid. Their clothes were very clean with holes cut in them for them to look... I just didn't understand why does this, like, super cool drummer who's married to this weird pixie woman go slumming down by the river with god the fisher of men and the professor who sleeps in a hammock like it just like none of this made any fucking sense to me and i know i shouldn't be overly trying to make sense out of an argento movie but but i mean like at least with a typical jolly i could go oh okay well this makes sense because this 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 and that whatever but, like, when you're watching an Argento movie... And here's another thing. Like, when you talk about, like, the animal trilogy here. Like, with Bird with the Crystal Plumage, he was totally under the thumb of the production making that movie. And that movie, I think, is very a very successful film. Like, it, it makes sense, kind of. And it's good. It's beautiful. It, everything about that movie is good. Cat and Nine Tails solid story for the most part it's a really good watch this one i feel like this is argento's first i think this is the first time where argento felt like he was the shit 
and he could do whatever the fuck he wanted. And somebody should have smacked him and said, why don't we keep you in the box a little bit longer? Because it just, the movie did not work for me at all. And I need likable characters. And like the fact that all of the really, really like secondary characters were fun but the fucking leads in this movie I wanted to hit with a car like I wanted to just hang out with the mailman you know I'm like can we just follow the mailman for the rest of this movie and I'm not trying to like oh here let me say this too a shitty Jally is still better than most movies like I would rather watch the worst fucking Jallo you could put on than me watch whatever is on MTV or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Documentary. Exactly. Like it's still a good watch and it's still good fun, but it's just like what I like out of my films. This is not having any of it. And I feel like, and I said this when we did the last Argento movie, I feel like people feel like they have to like Argento because he's this master of horror and he's this, really weird and crazy guy but i really don't feel like you need to like him like i mean i'm not trying to be a dick here i really am not because i like tenebrae a lot and deep red's a pretty cool movie you know i like bird with the crystal plumage even though that opening scene makes no fucking sense in god's green earth but that's a whole other thing but i just like this it's for me this movie just like missed on every fucking level Uh, oh you know what no I liked the killer's mask. I thought that was really fucking freaky. And the scene where he's chasing the guy into the like opera house or whatever with all the confetti and it, like I really liked how all of that looked. It was really 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 cool. But there wasn't enough good-looking chicks in this. There wasn't enough like beautiful architecture that's another thing that i think he missed on this one a lot of his movies he usually finds like these amazing locations in italy to shoot at and this was just like really bland like the the locations were just i don't know dude just not tits i think well i I I guess that's why i'm glad i i let in by saying how they, they structured the story um so it kind of, it doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me that uh, there are people, especially you, creep, <sighs> didn't <laughs> wasn't very fond of this movie. But I guess when I talk about like style over substance, I'm not necessarily talking about curtains or or dress, but just like yeah, like how stuff's filmed. And uh, there were scenes in it that I really liked, like that beginning. But if there's beef chasing. curtains, then you kill two birds with one stone, and you're okay, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. I, yeah. All right. And then, yeah. And then, uh, Chris, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought up the fact that, um, because we did get a, a comment on Twitter actually from Lee Howard at Count Fosco. I was just gonna bring that up. He, yeah, he had a he had a couple questions for us, yeah. but one of them was, uh, has the fact that the film uh, was effectively lost for so long meant that it's supposed to be given greater kudos than it deserves? Fuck yeah. So I'm glad you I'm glad you touched on that. Um. It does give it a sort of mysticism or mystical quality. I to didn't it. know that Fox had it that whole time. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's something I forgot to mention when going over like the background of it is that there was a lot of tussling going on 
between like the American movie uh, distributors and in Italy. So that's that's the reason why this film's kind of got it. I think it's kind of weird too because the what's the guy's name? Fucking Roberto's dumb face. What's his real name? Michael Brandon. Michael Brandon. He had a hit show in the eighties, I guess, yeah. in the UK called Dempsey and Make Peace. That was like a cop show where the he's like the weird American cop and she's like the like well put together like fancy pants person and there's like love is in the air but it's weird because they're coming from like different worlds man and all this other stuff you know what I'm saying and that was like a really big hit show so I'm surprised that no one tried to I mean maybe they did in the UK and I just don't know about it here but I'm surprised that this movie didn't like surface bigger in the 80s yeah I'm not sure but yeah, something else about about Michael Brandon was that it sounds like he wasn't even the first choice for this role. No, they had a bunch of other crap fucking... I'm sorry. Hey, Go ahead. Terrence Stamp? Come on. Ringo Starr? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Dodge the bullet there. <laughs> so. Well, uh, there you have it. The three-headed monster. What? We we came at this from all angles. I think the well, well, I think we still it. have one more angle to come at. Speaking What's that? of us coming at stuff, um, uh, one of uh, Lee's questions was, "What do you make of the attitudes towards gender identity and sexuality Argento brings to his Jali?" Okay. I was going to skip that one on purpose. <sighs> I need you, Eric, to call out people. For their sexuality right now <laughs> i don't know i think he's just having a good time with his movies like we were talking about at the beginning of the show um i'm sure there is there's more thought put into the characters than we give him credit for sometimes but the secondary really, characters yeah um as far as attitudes towards gender identity sexuality um i know argento likes to play around with putting the women in charge as far as the uh, the killing goes um kind of give the women the power in his films um but really trying to trying to think about it further i couldn't really i don't know couldn't really come up with anything else what do you think chris there's there's um there's a book by um maitland mcdonough i think is her name um she wrote a book called broken mirrors broken minds it's like an argento um uh, critical analysis type book and for this film she's talking about how obvious it is that um roberto and uh is it nina yeah um how they're kind of gender neutral they 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 kind of look the same like nina doesn't really have much of a physique and roberto's kind of this skinny guy who you know and they both they both have like long hair and um you know, I, I don't know what the I don't remember what the point of that observation was, but it was kind of an observation of like, you know, th- things are thing the, the characters in this in this film are interchangeable to a certain extent, and um, and, and I don't know I don't know if there was more made about that point that I'm not remembering, but I I did remember that particular point about how that you know they kind of there's kind of an androgyny thing going on with those two characters and yeah. and especially you know the backstory of how you know when you hear the 
when you hear the fathers in the flashback saying, I wanted a son, not a weakling like you, um, it's not assumed that he's saying, you know, you're a weakling because you're a girl. You know, it could be that, you know, I wanted a son, a masculine son, and you, you're, you're a boy, but you're a weakling, you know? So yeah. it's, you, you don't really, you know, it's not a hundred percent, um, specific that they're talking about a girl. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Argento definitely likes to put his killers, um, likes to make his killers female. I think if you were to look at the, if you were to go through all of his jolly, I think there's more women killers than there are men killers. There are, so. yeah. Um, I don't know. I think like with, because Bird with the Crystal Plumage, there was the transvestite in the lineup and then the guy at the gallery was kind of playing a gay character. Was that was that all in that one? He was a little on the flamboyant side. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. in Cat of Nine Tails, there's the the tranny bar, right, or whatnot. And then with this one, there's the detective and whatnot. And then when you get to like Deep Red, there's the <clears throat> dude girl guy that Carlo's sleeping with or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So I think like it's something where like if you do something like once or twice, you know, especially back then, it's to get a reaction. But when it keeps cropping up and everything that you're doing, there is something there. And I think if you want to do like a critical analysis of Argento, I think the better question to ask is why the fuck are all of his main characters some of the most boring fucking people you would ever want to fucking spend time with? You know? Like, they're like, they have nothing going on for him. To me, anyway. Like, I just, I, I don't I don't understand how his main characters are always the dullest fucking people in the film. And I think that says probably more about him than him dabbling with gender swapping and homosexuality. Yeah, I agree. It's it's more about what kind of fun stuff is he going to do with with his murder scenes or his his uh, camera tricks and techniques and stuff like that. A better and, question too. Now that I think about it, like his dad's producing most of his shit. Like, do you think his dad ever said like, "Hey, son, do we have an issue? Do we have a problem here?" Like. <laughs> Did I not raise you right? Are you upset right. with me? Like, like, what's going... Do you hate your mom? Like, do we know anything about Argento's mom? I do not. I haven't asked him recently. Oh, no, man. You but, need to I give mean, him a call, Eric. Get on that. You know, <laughs> it, it's, these films are just the tip of the iceberg because once you get into... Um, I guess it's Phenomena where, you know, Jennifer Connelly is the main... Uh, amateur detective in if you want to call that a giallo and then moving into opera he had another girl protagonist but then <clears throat> he brings his daughter in and puts his daughter in the most ridiculous either rape scenes or murder scenes i or... can't even watch those dude yeah so i mean th- this is just the tip of the iceberg throwing in some 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 gender issues in the first few of his movies compared to yeah, yeah. you know the things that he did in in with with uh, with with Asia or Asia, however you pronounce that, um, you know. So it, it's it's 
seems like it's can, compared to what's going on now with Argento, it's mild. So, uh, you know, especially the Stendhal syndrome, where you know uh, his daughter was kind of like the main character, but she was, you know, put through all this torture and stuff. And you know, how do you film that? I don't know. Just. just I, I don't know. Another thing too, he says, and I I can't remember what DVD the interview was on, but he was interviewed in a DVD. It might have been Suspiria actually, and he was saying how his movies, for the most part, um, are just fragments of his dreams that he tries to string together into a cohesive story. So if that's the case, then he's almost inviting us and other people to fucking examine his fucking deepest, most bizarro fucking thoughts. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I don't know. Like, I guess you got to give him credit for being honest about his filmmaking. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to find ways to give this guy kudos because I know everyone... loves them no i know i don't have to but i mean i I still love i appreciate people who do shit and he does shit you know i mean i haven't seen dracula 3d (laughs) you shouldn't (laughs) well he does shit in that one (laughs) (laughs) but um i don't know dude i just uh whenever we get talking about him dude i get really it's it's just when we watch Argento, for me at least, it's not fun. Like when you're watching a Martino movie or right. something like that. When you're watching all of these like fun jallies, they're fun and you have a good time and like you like drinking to them and doing everything, you know. But when I watch an Argento movie, for some reason, it's just like all the fun gets sucked up out of the room and it's like <clears throat> serious town with bad jokes. So, so what what Argento film are we doing next week then? Um, do you like his cock? <laughs> do I ever? No, but speaking of next week, we had our um, poll that Eric likes to dance on, and um, the winner for our next episode is. You have to say it in Italian. Oh, yeah. damn you. Okay, say it in Italian then, ass. A lizard in a woman's skin. Oh, that's such bullshit. That is not <laughs> the fucking Italian. That was, a, that was more French, oh, I guess. Okay, so yeah. So that is what we're going to watch. And I'm a little... Fulci film, I'm I think. more excited. It is. I'm more excited about that than I am about continuing talking about this movie. <laughs> Una la sotola con la pere di donna. He said corn. I did. Okay. Um, so, I don't know. Is there anything else, guys? I don't think so. Thanks to everyone who's been following us and uh, joining the group and commenting. Um, keep it up. Tell your friends, even if they hate Italian films and Italian food. Yeah. Tell them anyway. Yeah. Anyway. And for all the Jalo apol or the Argento apologists out there, you could send your hate mail to Creepercent at Gmail. So, <laughs> and uh, I, I yes, look forward out, to hearing them. Right. And of course, check out jellscore.com. Um, please, please, please do it. 
feedback of you. There's a lot of good analysis there along with all the scores that you've got going on there, Chris. So thank you for helping us out and with our show. the site is pretty too. It is pretty. It's yellow I, I like for some it. reason. Yeah. <laughs> Ours is yellow too. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. Your coincidence. It's it's like yellowhighhigh.com. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what people think, think of that. Yeah, movie. if you were Italian, you'd be like, these people have totally missed the boat here. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow high high. Okay, great. Right. All right. Well, well yeah, don't thanks, miss the boat uh, in two weeks. I was going to say thanks for uh, having me on again, guys. This was fun as usual, as as always. Right. <clears throat> thanks for coming. That's what you offer some to. insight that uh, Creep and I couldn't come up with on our best days. So <laughs> you're too kind. Oh, Eric and I come talk. What? You said come. Oh, come that's forget true. It. Yeah. Okay. Every time you say it, I want to like make fun of it, and I want to like point it out, and it's very childish oh. and immature. I need also, to stop doing that. Walk around it next time. That's what she said. Yep. <laughs> That's so stupid. Okay, yeah, I'm done. Go to bed. Shoot creeps bedtime. Yeah. Okay, guys. Um, well, until next time, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Wait, play the trailer. Uh, well, yeah, we're gonna play the trailer, and then yeah. Oh. So. Is that how this works? I guess. <laughs> Come on, Eric. This is like episode seven. You should fucking know already, right? Thought it was eight. Oh fuck. It's, no, it's seven. seven. Okay. Okay, guys. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Later. Bye. Among the annals of the abnormal, there is no more erotic a nightmare than the strange story of blizzard in a woman's skin. Well, Frank, hmm? you're not being unfaithful to Carol, are you? That woman for you represents degradation and vice. Joe, please. I'm going completely mad. Julia Dura was murdered by the person she was blackmailing. Only she wasn't blackmailing your son-in-law. Father, there's only one thing I can tell you. I didn't kill her. She was standing there in front of me, in her fur coat. So, she takes it off. Not a bloody stitch on Mrs. Hammond, remember that anything you say will be taken down and may be given in evidence. Unbearable suspense that keeps you on the edge of an abyss of terror. Ciao. Ciao.